Hello and welcome to Movie Autopsy. I'm Paul Culliver. My co-host is Anthony McCormack. You're going to hear from him in a second. Originally published as an episode of my daily podcast, Bath Time. Today's movie is... American Sniper. We're going to do our movie autopsy of American Sniper today. I feel somehow fitting. We've got to put the, <laughs> the MASH costumes on, because it's a MASH autopsy. Is it? It's not a civilian autopsy. Oh, okay. American Sniper is military somehow. <laughs> okay. Uh, so this is uh, uh, Clint Eastwood directed, starring Bradley Cooper. You remember, um, it, it wasn't too long ago that Clint Eastwood was having imaginary conversations with, like, empty chairs? Yes. But, oh, no, uh, now, Mr. President, uh, and you see that, and then you look at this movie, which is very well directed, and you say... <laughs> Are we talking about the same Clint, uh, Clint Eastwood? Is yeah. a, he's incredible. He's a yeah. you know you go back in his film history, he's brilliant, whatever. But you you do look at that chair conversation and say, oh, it's getting about that time, isn't it? And yet <laughs> he feels like this is a movie that if a young person had directed, I would say you have put a lot of energy into this. Yeah. That's, I actually was thinking about the chair thing yeah, uh, yeah. from the <laughs> Republican convention back in uh, 2012 would have been uh, when I went into this film. I'd be like, hmm, his, uh, and I, but that's an important point because uh, I think uh, you can, there are various telltale signs that this movie has been made by a Republican. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In that, um, or at least that it's not been made by a particularly lefty liberal kind of person. In that uh, there is there is no apology there is no apology for guns. There's no apology for the existence of guns in the American uh, way of life. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. It's very. I mean, you've you've got the the military stuff in which guns probably should be appearing, yeah, but you've yeah. also got the private life where it's like this is your this is your gun. Love it. Yeah. Hold yeah. it. Uh, now Give it a name. <laughs> now we uh, let's get into the movie uh, proper. So uh, we're going to talk about the movie. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about what happens in the movie. So if you haven't seen the movie, uh, there's going to be spoilers. But the best way for there to be no spoilers for the next forty minutes or so, what would that be, Anthony? To have seen the movie. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Go see the movie. Oh, didn't don't listen. It's like either or. Yeah. Or if I'm, you're not going to see the movie, just listen to this and then deal with the fact there are spoilers. I've known people who have said, I'm not going to see that movie and, and gone ahead and listened to you <laughs> and I talk about the movie and at the end said, oh, now I want to see the movie. <laughs> I would be curious to, uh, to, to know what it is to like to listen to one of these episodes having not seen the movie because we talk about it as if you have already. Yeah. That's the whole thing is that we don't have to explain everything. Because he just saw the movie. Yeah. We yep. just saw the movie. You did too. Uh, so, uh, my God, that ending. Oh. Well, 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 let's talk. Let's jump straight into the ending. Because yeah. when people um, ask me about the movie, and this is very early stages, that's the first thing I jump to, which is it's kind of like a, it's, it's, it's got the text that comes up. Mm. And this is what's happened. And... For me, this is a movie where the jump between the final scene and the text that comes up is the biggest possible jump I've seen 
in movie history potentially. <laughs> right. Because it, it, it's it's an equivalent. It's not exactly this, but it's an equivalent of you, Paul, you've got your son on your shoulders, you're surrounded by his classmates, you're all laughing and singing. <laughs> the whole movie, you've been a sourpuss, right? But you've got the, the smiles on your face, you, you've been affected, it's gotten into your heart, you know. There are nuns around you with guitars that are playing, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, like, it freeze frame, pause that, and the text comes up. Paul was struck by lightning and died of cancer two weeks afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just so uh, sudden and such a gut yeah. punch. That is a totally a sucker punch, isn't it? Yeah. Just, uh, or as uh, they're calling it in, uh, in Australia, coward punch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bloody coward punch. Bloody, it's not a king hit, it's a coward punch. Yeah. Uh, One which hit is, to the head. Which is true. I feel terrible to have mocked. The term coward punch in that. Like, I instantly regret the decision, but it is yeah. it is a coward punch. Yeah. Uh, not to say that the Clint Eastwood's choices were cowardly. That Well, that's it. That's, and certainly yeah. not Chris Kyle. Yeah. Uh, certainly not. Um, but it's it's uh, it's quite a... But it's, it's that weird... The one thing is it's, it's weird the way they did it because of that... The lingering shot on the wife looking out... Yeah, it's kind of... The door is kind of weird. You feel like there was a, an initial screening where, like, a movie executive said... It kind of feels like a sucker punch at the end. It, there's no clue that yeah. he's going to be suddenly viciously murdered by a, Maybe we can put a clue in there. How, how do we put a clue in there? Let's do a reshoot. We'll bring Sienna back in. Before she closes the door, she just looks at the door and she's like, Ooh, be iffy. And also the casting of that guy is like, they're like, we need someone that just looks a little bit creepy. As You got... Creepy vibes too. Yeah, like, yeah, you're like, yeah. there's no reason to be drawing this out. I I got Patch Adams vibes. Oh, okay. Have Have you seen Patch Adams? Yeah, not for a long time. We, yeah, without giving away any plot points in Patch Adams, and that that has a similar kind of thing that happens. It's a it's a person that wants to help. Mm. That's the whole idea behind Patch Adams, the movie, uh, and they are rewarded with a terrible, terrible punishment. And it, wow. as it arrives in the story, it's kind of a sucker punch as mm. well. It's kind of like a, why would you, you know, why why would you put this on your audience? Why would you make your audience feel terrible about helping? Can I say the guy that they cast as the guy that shot Chris Kyle, a little bit like Ben Affleck? I mean, not Ben Affleck, Casey Affleck. Casey, oh, yeah, I could see that. And Casey Affleck is probably too high a pay grade. I reckon they went, we need someone that looks like Casey Affleck, a yeah. little bit troubled, a little bit disturbing. Well, I'm Casey's to... not available. Yeah, Casey's not. Yeah, I I reckon with Clint Eastwood at the helm, you know, <laughs> we need you for one shot. <laughs> we'll pay you ten thousand dollars. Oh, sounds good. And then he goes home and turns on the news, and it's the hidden talking to the chair. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm busy. I'm busy. I can't. I can't do the movie, Clint. Yeah, I'm sorry. Wow. Uh, so interestingly, though, I looked this up just before. Uh, according to Wikipedia, at least, um, the guy who shot. Chris, he, it was it was him and one of his friends that got shot. Oh no! And the guy's still awaiting trial. So it's interesting that uh, because they released this movie, obviously there was certain certain way they had to portray that at the end, oh, so yeah. as to not. That's why the it, it's it says uh, a person that Chris was trying to help shot him. That's like the phraseology, as opposed to you know Joe Bloggs. They can't say the actual name, I guess, for legal reasons. Yeah. Um. So, but I guess that's got to put a lot of attention on that tr- case now. Although all those final scenes, my God, like 
can we all, we're gonna work our way back, but the credit yeah. sequence. Oh yeah, with it's... all the real footage. It's just like I, you know what? I I'm gonna be completely honest. I went into the movie not knowing that it was a true story. I I was the same boat, and I think. Probably most Americans, I'm guessing, do know the style of story of Chris Carl. I think I've I'd heard of him before, and I think I'd heard stories about him before, um, because he is the man with the most confirmed kills, uh, I think, in military history. I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I imagine, like in terms of America, probably most people with their you know finger on the pulse would know about. It. I think Australians can be forgiven for going to this film not knowing that. Yeah. Um, I'm letting both of ourselves off there. Um, <laughs> I was worried, but then Paul's hair was okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it kind of makes it even more of a sucker punch, I think, for both of us, yeah. or for anyone watching, because you're just going like, yeah, cool, good story. Like, I guess there's a composite of a whole lot of different people in, in Iraq, and it tells a story, an important story to be told, uh, you know, through the eyes of someone that Clint Eastwood's made up. Oh, no, it's a guy and he died. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of the thing. Of it was not a sucker punch that he died. It was also a sucker punch that he was a real person. I I want to reveal something about myself, and I feel like I'm going to lose one or two of you here <laughs> okay. when I tell this story. But that's what happens when you make yourself vulnerable. I saw a movie a couple of years back called Notorious. <laughs> <laughs> This is not. This is not the Alfred Hitchcock one. Uh, this is the true life story of Notorious B.I.G. Um, now, I knew. I knew it was a true story. It was based on an actual guy. Um, I knew so little about the story of Notorious B.I.G. Biggie Smalls uh, that uh, about halfway through the movie, I was convinced that he had funded the movie himself, (laughs) was playing himself in the movie, and the movie was just basically about how great he was. Yeah. Because you know how these rappers get in these rap battles, you know? They've got to diss the other guy, and and I thought, what a great new step (laughs) in in rap battle history of of amping yourself up, making a Hollywood epic about yourself, and... To the point where at the ending comes along, and I don't want to spoil the real-life story of Notorious B.I.G. if you don't know it. Uh, so Wikipedia it quick before I finish the end of this sentence, which is, he dies. No! <laughs> what? At, at which uh... point at, at the brain, my brain, gets challenged, right? Because I have this reality in my head that he's playing himself in the movie. I'm like, why would he write a death scene in? <laughs> <laughs> so I was, well, if that happened in real life, I, I suppose he couldn't play himself in this oh, movie. But, uh, but that sort of similar sort of thing is happening in American wow. Sniper. Did uh, <laughs> did you um, did you get out of Notorious and and talk to someone and oh yeah, and, well, and then and then they told you and and you and they said, look, in in the words of Notorious, if you don't, you... Oh, I fucked it up. That's all right. Well, he said he said. If you don't know, now you know. <laughs> you say, as ignorant as I am, I still got that. It's quite funny. You've done well there. So uh, that's the thing is watching this movie and, and you kind of get a maybe this is a true story vibe while you're yeah. watching it. I guess that's the thing is uh, it's a very different experience watching it, knowing whether it's real or not. Yeah. Because, because- I, the, the sucker punch is also, I was just thinking, if you already knew the story of Chris Carl, then that's not a sucker punch. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of it is 
man, you really are the greatest guy in the world kind of thing. And right, if it's right. if it's a fake character, you're not doing that. And and what I like about the Chris Kyle character as played by Bradley Cooper, I think he did a monster of a job on this one. Um is that you people are telling him you are the best, you you God reincarnated, we love you, have at have, have my firstborn, mm. you know all this thing and and he's not like, yeah, that's true. I am pretty great. He he is doing the whole, and he's not going the other direction too, which is like, oh, don't say that about me. I'm terrible, blah blah blah. But he, he's kind of got that shy kind of, well, you know, yeah. I hope you're doing well too. Mm, kind of thing. Mm. Well, that's the interesting thing of, uh, uh, I guess, because it's based on the book that Chris Carl wrote, which I'm assuming he didn't write a death scene in in the book. Yeah, uh, like Notorious did for his own movie, yeah, which was weird. Which was so weird, weird. And so I guess he played it very well, though. Notorious. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's the thing of, yeah, how much do they, they based it on the book versus extrapolated out, like how much is Chris Kyle in Americans in the book? It's apparently a bestseller, uh, talking about how great he is, I guess not that much, but it's interesting that they do talk about, I think it's really cool, uh, the way they portrayed like the fact that, uh, war was affecting him. Yeah. War was really messing with him. And that was obviously a big part of the movie, um, and you kind of expect, I don't know, I guess you expected that story to just kind of spiral out of control and for him to hit some uh, some low point. I guess in the end it was just he just needed to kill the butcher. And that yeah. was the, the saviour. And that's the other, thing, other interesting thing. If this, was, if this was not a true story, that would have been the climactic scene and it kind of would have just ended there. So the fact that they even went back to America for me was, like, surprising. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was well, kind of, like, seeing it as, like, he can just be like, I'm coming home now, baby, and then that's that's good. He's killed the butcher. He's did what he wanted to. End of film. Yeah. I it I think the reason why the end is such a sucker punch is that you expect him fully to go down. In the Like, he killed right, the butcher, yeah. and it's like, now that you've killed him and the enemy is alerted to where we are, you know what I mean? You've accomplished your goal, but now we're doomed. Yeah, that's the what's the one thing with that scene of I was like I because of the whole military, you know, how the military operates and their process and everything. I'm like I was trying to figure out like are they just going to bomb them? I wasn't quite sure what directives were being given. Like was yeah. the helicopter just sent to just blow up the whole building? Yeah. And kill everybody? Uh but then I'm sh- I assume the military doesn't act that way, right? Well, I I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, this is what I found fascinating about the movie is that if you've had a relative and you've heard war stories, you know what I mean? And and typically there are war stories like you know the uh the movies of um the the what the 60s mm. let's say where it's all like oh jelly oh good fun war is good fun breeds character yes. <laughs> and but then like you know you get into 70s territory and it's like war is was terrible you know the, the darkness well, we're getting into we're going like darkness. world war 2 versus like nam kind yeah, of stuff yeah 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 and and but i mean the further along you get more stories come out of like not only winning the war but the lengths you know, people will go to, and this is a movie that deals very much with that, with mm. like these people um, who who have uh, really gone an extra level downwards mm. in order to, you know, and and you don't know the movie doesn't go. The movie calls them savages. Mm. You know, these people that will use a drill, you know, on, on, on a on a boy, which is which is terrible. Um, but that kind of thing, and and you don't hear about that from the relatives, you know, unless 
Like it, it's a, it's a couple of generations removed now that you start hearing the horror stories of you know the Second World War of of the Vietnam War. So like like a, a, a few of these things that come out. Number one, the the drill, which is terrible. Number two, the the sandstorm at the end where he's like, that could have been the end of him, and he's reaching out and he can't see the hand, yeah, and then he yeah. grabs the hand. And um, and I've heard a story from an uncle about that kind of thing of like, you know, you're you're jump, you're running towards the helicopter, and there are you know three or four men behind you, and you get on the helicopter, and you're the last man, oh, wow. and and you have to you have to think on that, how close you could have been to you know the ones that were left behind kind of thing. So, yeah. so, and I don't think there have been movies like Saving Private Ryan. I go straight to that, um, which is like the first time I remember seeing a movie about war where, you know, people can tell you war is terrible, mm. but Saving Private Ryan, I was watching through, you know, my hands, like it was a horror movie. Like, mm. like this, I feel horror. I feel genuine Freddy Krueger-ness at what's going on. And this is something that people lived. Like yeah. I, I get to go, like I'm, I'm sitting in the cinema saying, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> people, can, people, get, people were living that in, yeah. in the actual. I will say, yeah, watching this um, gave me a bit more perspective on war than perhaps some other. So like, I'm thinking like Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. The, um, yeah. It uh, feels like a trilogy unit, doesn't it? Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> where instead of a, Oh, I forget! I forget her name. Uh, director of Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty, Catherine Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. She was like, "What? Well, I'll yeah." <laughs> I was going to make some joke about female director, and then and then just an old white dude um, directing the third part. <laughs> I don't know what the joke is. Uh, you, you, he's talking to a chair. You sit down, uh, Catherine. You, you. <laughs> let a man take over. Uh like, I I know you won an Oscar, but uh, um, you sit down with your gun and you give your gun a name and you hold that gun. Get off my lawn! <laughs> I would love just a clean east where just invites you over and then you're like you're walking up, and you're like, get off my lawn! You're like, but I just got here, Clint. He's like, yeah, just reaching into his jacket and pulling out his fingers. Oh, oh you thought it was a gun? It's my fingers. <laughs> It's such a good movie. Um, <laughs> it is. Get off my lawn. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it does. It just like so much of it. Your it could have been the set from Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, but it I could feel, have been the set yeah. from. And they were really good in portraying war. And I, uh, but this one more so than uh, the others. I felt like actually it was giving me an insight into like the I don't know the humanity of it. The, yeah. Uh, whereas I think like Zero Dark Thirty and 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 um, Hurt Locker are a bit more operational and a bit more just like presenting the scenes as they were. I think this because it, it kind of went back and traced his life in a little bit. Yeah, uh, gave me a bit more like okay, this is. I think the the fact that it actually went back, it wasn't just like we're just war zone all the time, which I think means you can switch off a bit more. The fact that you kept going like two or one back home, two or two. two. Back home. Yeah. Like, I think that drove it home much more for me, is, like, that thing of, uh, 
I think the um, the feeling of time, time passing, because yeah. it, when it's like just two hours of Warzone, you're just like, yeah, it's a lark. You go there for a few weeks, shoot some bad guys, and you're done. Whereas this of like, no, nine months, and then you're back for a bit, and then you have to, you have to, you see your kids have grown up a bit, and your wife is like more estranged, and then you have to go back again, and like that, that I think the protraction of 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 the experience of being a soldier, uh, the protracted time period, I think. That was a major element for me of of really portraying like what it's like to be a soldier and mm. the emotional toll it must take on you, as well as like the strangeness of the domestic scenes. Yeah, which is the, you're exactly right. Whatever they did with the going back and forth, it it puts you in that mindset of of this is a war movie, it's mm. war genre, and you you play a domestic scene and you're like. This is a man beefed up, ready to go, you know, and, and there's the dog scene where the dog gets a bit nippy and, and, and he, oh, he's yeah. ready to beat that dog to death. So help oh, me. Oh, man. And, um, and, and you feel, you, you feel it's, it's like, um, Chris Evans dressed up in his America, Captain America outfit, mm. having a beer in the backyard. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're like, you're waiting for something to happen. Mm. Um, yeah, I think the way that they, they portrayed the PTSD was really like, it was like the lawnmower and then it was like the dog and then the, that was, and it was, it was quite subtly done. I really liked it. It was just, it was just, um, Bradley Cooper, just a a twitch of the head or just a, it was him just like listening out for something. Uh, and you could kind of see that it was, it was amazing that the way they composed the shots in that it was like, everything was domestic, everything was normal, but then you could just say he was still in a war zone. Uh, and I thought that was, that was pretty striking for me just watching like, a completely innocuous scene, completely innocuous home life, but uh, Chris Kyle still he's he still feels like he's at war, even though yeah. he's just driving down a highway uh, back in America. And what's what's incredible for me, and this probably didn't come through as strongly as ma- maybe you know, and and I might be stereotyping here, but if mm. a Catherine Bigelow was directing this, maybe this would you would have a few more touches of this. But where you see like the uh, the enemy sniper, and there's a picture on, on his wall of the Olympic moment, you know, where he's won gold at the Olympics, and then when you see him kissing his wife, and his wife's holding the baby, mm. where you kind of say, well, number one, it, it, there is an there is a life there. Like he is only doing what Bradley Cooper is doing. For his side. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I, I thought about this. I know this is a bit cartoonish, but I was thinking about that character in terms of he's like, he's like evil Superman or like, or like <laughs> yeah. Captain Pollution in Captain Planet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know that's a really cartoonish way of thinking about it, but I'm like, he's basically just like the, the enemy version of, yeah, he's exactly yeah. that. He's, he's, he's the venom to Spider-Man. Exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah yeah there's there's something um there's something about that where um you feel bad that one of them has to go down like right, you're right. almost like they're on two roofs and they see each other and they're like let's not let, let's get together have a beer or whatever but but the other thing about it is that Bradley Cooper gets to go home to the states and drink beer and be with his family and right. be in a place where he doesn't have to watch over his shoulder you know every this guy, that's where he lives. Right, right, yeah. That's his life. Like, yeah. well, that's the interesting thing of, I guess, like, I'm curious about the, because they're in Fallujah and they established that Fallujah's been, uh, what do you call it, e- evacuated. So, ever anyone there shouldn't be there 
according to the military. I guess it's that thing of like, well, again, like you live there, so if you want to stay there, what are your, you know, that gets to a whole other debate of the ideological should should you leave a home just because some uh, another country comes and tells you that your city is evacuated. Yeah. Um, so I mean that's because they the military takes a view if they're there they're there to kill you. Um, it's like well maybe they just want to keep living in their city, which is you know a whole other debate. But then there's that thing of like, uh, and we don't see that, and it doesn't necessarily it's not part of the movie. It doesn't need to be. But I'm curious, like, well, if you did leave the city, what is your life? I, I'm just really curious about that. Of like, are there a whole lot of just asylum seeker camps in other cities? Of that, has everyone gone to other Iraqi cities? Typically, uh, if there are cities surrounding your country that are anything like Australia, you go there and say, oh, can can we have some help? We've been kicked out of our, our home. And the other country says, no, we're full. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was the most incredible thing of when it was clearly refugees from war zones that Australia was like <laughs> fighting in and be like, oh, we came over and fought in your country and now you're an asylum seeker and you want to come live in our country because we came and fought in your country. No. If you are an asylum seeker, I can't apologize enough for our government. Our, so sorry. Our still so, so sorry. sorry. They don't speak for us. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, that was just a, a thought of like the odd. Uh, it's not presented. There, there's not a whole lot of other sides of things presented yeah. in this movie, which is fine. Although I do feel like it, it allows you to bring yourself to it, this yeah. movie. Because yeah. what it is, what it does so powerfully is that it presents these terrible decisions that you have to make in war like right. the the trailer moment of this this woman has handed something to the boy it might be an explosive but it's your call and if you make the wrong call you are screwed up mm. you know what i mean like you you can let the boy live and and mil- you know millions but you know a, a great deal of soldiers are going to lose their lives or you can let you can kill the boy, and if the boy turned out to be carrying something innocuous, you know, you you number one, you're going to have to live with that for the rest of your life. But we we see it once where he gets chewed out for something, um, a superior officer. That's right, because there because there's so it's interesting. He had 160 con- confirmed kills, but theoretically a whole lot more uh, above that. Probably I, I was reading possibly as high as about 250, 260. Uh, and it confirm kills when there's a like there's a witness to confirm that there's a death. So there's that element, but then there's also uh, if you shoot a body and the another you know American soldier or ally doesn't get to it first, they could get dragged off, and you don't get to confirm. I, I don't know if it counts as confirmed, but you certainly yeah. can't verify that they were carrying the weapon that they were or whatever. So th- this was uh, I'm sure this happens a lot, um, and it's a it's a very grey area because they can drag a body off, remove the gun. And then say, no, he was carrying a Quran. He was carrying ah, a peaceful item. Yeah. He wasn't carrying a gun. Uh, and then they can, you know, argue that this is like, you know, an act of, uh, you know, a war crime or, or whatever it would constitute. Which is like, you watch that being like, well, I'm sure that there have been opportunistic soldiers or soldiers that have made mistakes that have done that. You'd like to think Chris Kyle, is, you root for him a little bit. You're yeah. like, no, nah, he's doing his job. He's a patriotic man. I feel like this movie um, has its cake and eats it too. Yeah. But in a way where it's far more successful than other movies that would try that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, like number one, it's presenting a guy that is, because it's a real life guy and you want to honor this guy. It's presenting a guy that's very, um, you don't see a lot of flaws, mm. a lot of chinks in the armor. Yeah. 
But at the same time, you do see that war takes a toll on this guy. Mm. But it does so in a way that you're never like, you know, man, war has made this guy into an asshole. Like, mm. you are presented with a guy that is chivalrous and respectful and honourable and he does the right thing and he shakes your hand and he looks you in the eye and he, yeah. he's a gregarious, friendly, lovely guy. At the same time, he is the most lethal man in military. <laughs> like, he kills yeah, the yeah. most people in history. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, those two things at the same time is an interesting contradiction. Well, it's interesting, yeah, that scene uh, later on when he sees a psychologist or psychiatrist or psychologist, whatever it is, uh, and he says, uh, you know, I, I don't have any issues with the people I've killed. You know, I, I was it was all for serving my country. Yeah. I'll, you know, I'll account, I'll be accountable to God for all of that. Like, yeah. yeah. It's that thing of, uh, you know, I'm sure he accepts that having had to kill all those people is horrible, but it's also like, at the end of the day, I signed it up, you know, <laughs> attribute it all to, I was saving my country. And and to a large degree, I feel like he's an idealized soldier. Like, mm. I don't know about the real life guy, and the real life guy could be better than the Bradley Cooper guy. Right, right. But that's a lot of pressure to put. On our armed services, you know what I mean? Like, for them to to be that kind of Superman, that they are, you know, they do go into a social situation yeah. and, you know, they, they're hot. Their nickname is The Legend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I want to say as well, as, since we're talking about sort of the real life of, I was thinking about this, that there's there isn't actually a whole lot of great portrayal of the Iraqi people in this. Yeah. Um, which is... Sucks a bit. I I wish it was like the one time that there was like an Iraqi person showing some kindness and cooperation, and he turned out to be harboring a whole yeah. stash of weapons, and then he got shot. Yeah. Um. Like it was like that little glimmer of hope of oh, there are humans. You know, they are human too. They're they're some of them are just caught up in in war, and then it just turned out that everyone everyone that seemed like they were innocent was actually really not. The only innocent was the kid that picked up the grenade launcher or whatever it is and then put it down again and run away. Like, I think everyone else <laughs> pretty much yeah. is somehow implicated, um, which is a bit of a pity in a way that it's it didn't at all... Yeah, I guess I was coming back to, like, the thing of... The argument is, okay, everyone left in that city is there because they want to kill them. And that was proved throughout the yeah, course of the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so fine. But also, like, uh, except I guess that one guy yeah. that was the, there was the one guy that got killed. Yeah. And, and I was about to say, like, how does he get rewarded for being a good guy? Yeah, yeah. Drill. Drill. And oh, he, he gets yeah. gunshot. Yeah. Gunshot and his, his son is drilled. Which is terrible. Terrible. So terrible. And you, and you feel that as well as like a, as the sniper that's like trying to do the right thing and, and let him off the hook. But you're under fire at the same time, and, and just that immediacy and urgency. But I, I mean, it, to continue my point, I think it's almost like the only the only reason, in a way, that they have this one guy that's cooperating and is, in theory, like a good guy on American side helping him out, is to show how bad the other side is. It's like yeah. we'll have this good guy so that someone can drill him and shoot him. Yeah. Uh, so it's like oh, okay. It just doesn't add so much humanity to the Iraqi people, which is, I think, a bit of a pity. Um, but there you go. I, yeah. I, I feel a recent movie that did it really, really well. Uh, the the Water Diviner with Russell Crowe. Okay. Um, because it was essentially, it was a World War One story, and it, it was very Australian. Mm. Uh, and the other side is uh, the Turkish side. And the very first scene in that movie is the trench 
you know, the trenches, and and you're used to seeing the trenches in a movie like Gallipoli, mm. the mm. one with Mel Gibson and the uh, the steel spring leg guy. You know that guy? You know his name. Anyway, Mel Gibson's in it. Uh, Gallipoli? He's talking about the movie that, yeah. Gallipoli. Yeah, that's the one. It's set in Gallipoli. I, I think we're going to see a lot of Gallipoli stuff this year, by the way, because I, I, it's an anniversary, or? yeah. Because I, I remember there was an anniversary. Of the movie or the oh, event? No, of the event. <laughs> okay. Of the event. Because, well, that's the Channel 9 are running all these promos for, you know, the, the television series you've never seen before because we only just made it. Does um does Tom Hardy play the main character? I don't think so. I just think that any reboot of uh, former Mel Gibson <laughs> vehicles yeah. needs should, to be, needs to, have to be some... Tom Hardy. I agree. Um, yeah, but anyway, so uh, the 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 Russell Crowe, the Water Diviner, and they go back to Gallipoli, and it's the trenches. But this time, you're seeing the trenches from the Turkish side, mm, okay. and and it's played straight in in, in terms of. It's everything you'd see in a movie where, you know, you're identifying with what it... Like, because, you know, movies are typically American or Australian, mm. you know, the Western world. Is it, Tur- Turkey, is that West? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's... <clears throat> I'm terrible at geography. I'm pretty sure it's a Muslim nation, though. Oh, well, this is... You're seeing it from the Turkish point of view of, like, they're about to go into battle and they're, they're terrified. And um and the 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 opposite side have gone like they're not there anymore, and just the relief you know and 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 this character this is the first two minutes of the movie the water divine this mm. character who's like a, a high up like Turkish you know general or or I think he's a major um has, sends a boy into his office to say oh can you get my binoculars right. Mm. And then, like, you know, it turns out that the battle, they don't need to battle and they're so relieved and everyone's happy and the boy comes back and says, I couldn't find your binoculars. And he's got his binoculars and he's like, oh, silly me, I was wearing them the whole time. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, there are all these tricks yeah. of the Turkish people are good people, good, honest, yeah. wonderful people. Well, that's people. the interesting thing. I, uh, just a side point, I remember learning this, that uh, apparently the Turkish and the Australian are kind of quite good friends. Like, they were enemies at war but they were like remained um like very good enemies like in terms of like so now i think there are turkish soldiers that will march in australia day parades and mm. or anzac parades and stuff like that to the point where it's like they were like hey we were told we were kind of both pawns in a larger yes. war yeah we were both told to shoot at each other but we got no beef with you yeah which is and quite that, nice and that's the spirit of that water diviner movie right, if you, right. if you uh, that's one thing that movie the water diviner does really really well which is to say the machinery of war is is quite different to the bureaucracy of war like the the yeah. people the high ups that are saying you go and you go shoot whereas the actual pawns the actual soldiers themselves are like we've got no beef you're good we 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 try to be good too let's be friends <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, to clarify, Turkey, I believe Western Asia. Western Asia. Well, uh, co- well, that's Australia as well. Oh, we're Eastern Asia, well, are confu- we? It's confusing because it's bordered by eight countries: Bulgaria to the northwest, Greece to the west, Georgia to the northeast, Armenia, Iran, and Azerbaijan, 
uh, exclave of Nakhchivan, well, I've never heard of that, to the east, and Iraq and Syria to the southeast. So it's a very, with all those people, yeah. all those countries bordering, it's a, it is a confusing one. And yeah, predominantly uh, Muslim population, as I said before. I bet when you started listening to this podcast, yeah. you didn't know you were going to get that as well. Yeah. That's <laughs> Ooh, this, is a, this is a bonus. That's some serious. Geography. Um, Okay, this is uh, this is just a point that's been... I've thought of this when I first watched it, and I just need to say it for... I don't want to get to the end of the podcast and forget it. Yep. This may be the first shot in a movie... This may be the first drone shot in a movie showing a drone. Where was the drone? So I think it's when they're... F- I think it's when they're going behind enemy lines to set up, and there's an incredible aerial shot, which I assume is a drone shot... But the drone shot includes an actual flying drone in it. And I thought it was the best thing ever that it's a drone shot of a drone. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I don't even remember that shot. It's uh, okay. Uh, um, I, I Do you remember to. that? It's, quite, it's like a top down kind of quite a. It's a I think it's a kind of a, a horizon kind of shot. And then, it, and then it kind of. I think it pans. Well, I don't know if pans the right word, but tilts down to be kind of a very um, top down shot of all the. Of all the um, the cars arriving, kind of the envoy arriving behind enemy lines. Yeah, well, that rings a bell. But there's also a dr- like a, a so it's a, obviously a film drone being used to shoot it, and then there's a military drone flying across uh, over the uh, over in the sky. And I just oh. I, I I thought it was very meta, and I appreciated it. And I wanted to give a shout out to Clint Eastwood. Well played, sir. <laughs> he knew what he was doing yeah, when he, he was woke like, up that morning. He was like, it's a drone shot. Should we put in a drone, uh, Mr. Yeah. Eastwood? We've got your drone for the shot. Oh, that's good. Uh, you got the second one. He just sips his coffee. <laughs> what, what do you mean the second one, sir? Oh, we're uh, we're gonna have two. Sips his coffee. <laughs> uh, yeah. d- I was outstanding. Outstanding. I found the action outstanding. Oh like, yeah, Super- I mean yeah, superbly directed um, uh, action sequences. To, to the I like this is a, a terrible thing to say. But, like, I was the whole time thinking, has Clint got people to help him out? You know what I, you know what I mean? Like, is it people come up to Clint and he's sitting in his chair just on his porch, you know, get off my lawn. They're like, oh, but, but Mr. Eastwood, Mr. Eastwood, you know, what do, what do you think of this scene? He's like, yeah, it's a scene. You <laughs> put it in. I don't care. Like, like it's it's incredible to me that that a man that, you know, he's had such a career and he, he's... And like I don't I don't know what I'm trying to say. You say you didn't expect this from Clint? I mean, uh, like perhaps, this kind of action? Perhaps I am. Like you I and and this is a terrible thing to think, but you could forgive Clint Eastwood for winding down. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah, you could yeah. forgive him for perhaps taking it at a little bit of a slower pace. It's like you take a little bit more studio money and put in a little bit less effort. You and, know? and it's not as though like we haven't heard from Clint in a while. You know what I mean? Like he has done other yeah. movies, and he's jumped off of them onto this one, made this one incredible. Yeah, yeah. Like, and uh, got himself a Best Picture nomination at the like, Oscars. Like, how does he do it? Does he sleep? Yeah. Is he getting enough sleep? I, um, I kind of want to watch American Sniper again just for the... Actually, to be honest, visually, it's incredible. Just the way that they... I, I can't even explain, but just like... 
the way they've used the shadows, that sandstorm scene is incredible for the fact mm. that you actually can see so little on the screen and it's actually exciting to watch it to be like, oh, what body part am I seeing? What's yeah, happening? Yeah. I think like for a scene that's actually like visually so little is able to actually be conveyed on the screen, um, like that's difficult. How the hell do you shoot a sandstorm scene and somehow it was done in a way that you're... It wasn't just Adobe After Effects, like, sand laid down, like, oh, my God, I don't know how they whether they practically did that or how it was done. Oh, it'd have to be some kind of uh, animation, I would think. Yeah? But but I agree with you. Like, it's, it's every shot in that is the exact shot you need to see to right. either be the right kind of confused or know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But just, I don't know, just the, just little shots of just the way they just have the soldiers silhouetted as they, you know, march down the... Whatever it is, just visually, because uh, a, a rock can, can come across as uh, very drab, but somehow it's just it's a very, very vibrantly um, displayed on screen. Bradley Cooper, do you reckon... He's got the uh, the nomination for Best Actor. Yeah. Do, do you reckon he's a shoe-in? No. No? I don't think they'll give... Because it's... I mean, no, because partly because they're going to give it to, to the Stephen Hawking actor, man. Um, oh, well, there's a... Are, are you sure? Because... Uh, I mean, not for sure, but I just think, like, stoic American military man, that's not who the Academy's going to vote for. Come on. It, it is as well, like, Bradley Cooper. Like, like yeah. I, I, if, for argument's sake, uh, let's pick someone at random. Channing Tatum. If Channing Tatum were playing that character, he could play it just as well as Bradley, and you'd say, oh, you know, whatever. Mm. But for Bradley, it, Bradley has transformed himself, I feel. Like, I remember Bradley for being a skinny little geek yeah. on Alias, and the entire thing on Alias was that he was as far from the intelligence, spy, fit, healthy community right. as you can be. Like, he's a, he's, he's a reporter. Mm. And 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 uh, and he gets a bit too close to oh double identity, you know, <laughs> secret agency kind of. And and when he does, you're like, oh no, not Bradley Cooper. He doesn't have the fitness required <laughs> to save himself from danger. And whereas in this movie, and and for me, it was about the hands. I couldn't keep my eyes off his hands, like they're huge, bulking hands, and he's got the wedding ring on constantly. That there's something about that that's so American military Texas. Hey, honey, you know what I mean? <laughs> How are you doing? I'm coming home. And it, it, it's just like the big hulking hands the whole time. I yes. <laughs> did he did he did he work out on his hands? I don't. Well, that, I don't know. Sad. Did he work out the rest of his body and his hands just happened? I don't know. I don't know the answer yeah, is. Yeah, is there a well, hand yeah. uh, trainer? I, I in, need in LA? you to tell me, Paul. I need no you idea. to tell. You look it up. I'll wait here. That's all right. I'll let you off the hook. But yeah, I don't. I don't think he's going to win it. But you know, he did. He did amazingly. But it's also, you know, what the problem with the Oscars these days. These days, uh, maybe always, is that you. It's like you're playing. You're playing the Oscars and not the game of who was the best actor. Well, exactly right. I the, who, who, you're playing the game of who would the Oscars, who would the Academy vote for, not who actually deserves it, which is a problem. I remember a conversation um, uh, that I was listening to. It might have been a Mark Maron conversation, but it was mm. about two movies that were up for Best Picture, 
and and it was kind of a two movie race. But but if you watch, I, it might have been uh, Paul Thomas Anderson talking to him. Um, but if you watch that movie, and if you watch you know movie A versus movie B, and and you're trying to compare, you're trying to work out in your head which would I pick mm. if I'm doing the Oscars. And but the more you look at it, you say these are two completely different. Well, like you can't give them a, a, a score out of ten on the same scorecard. Right, right. It's like comparing, like comparing Grand Budapest Hotel with, uh, with like um, Bird. Oh, maybe not Birdman. Actually, that's probably an okay comparison. But like, uh, I guess that's interesting because they're both kind of comedies as opposed to like a very dramatic, like American Sniper. Like, comparing Grand Budapest Hotel to American Sniper, like. Where do you even begin comparing those two movies? Mm. Like they're just so entirely different. They are. Uh that it's it's weird to come down to like some kind of numerical score or I guess it's the votes, but it's weird to 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 figure that out. Anyway. I I thought his performance Bradley Cooper in this incredible. Oh, it's I, incredible. I like, but I was in terms of winning that award, I don't yeah. think he will. I well, I don't think he's in with a red hot go because I mean this is an accent that he does that is not his natural accent. And and it, it it's a character accent. Like at no point in that movie do I go, "Whoop, your accent's slipping, Bradley," which is something that as an Australian you do quite a bit because mm. if you ever hear a an Australian doing an American accent or mm. b any any nationality doing an Australian accent, you know what I mean? Like mm. you're trained to have a natural. Refer- it's like if someone is drunk and they accidentally topple over a glass, you got to yell. Taxi, like you hate yourself for it because <laughs> it's so ingrained, but it's muscle memory from that. From well, did you point. notice? Uh, did you see uh, on the Gone Globes, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler made fun of all the UK people coming over, all the UK actors coming over and do American accents? Oh yeah, and they're like you can, they did their American accent of a UK person doing it. And they're like <laughs> you can't tell when a UK person comes over and does an American accent. Uh, which is that was just me doing an impression of an American, American doing an impression of a British person doing an American accent. And I've gone cross eyed. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's um, that's Chris Kyle. He's uh, yeah. he's all right. Bradley Cooper in like I get excited now about what is next for Bradley Cooper. Yeah, I mean, we uh, interesting year for him. Uh, well, I guess American Hustle last year. Uh, a Rocky Raccoon is there a Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. This year? yeah. That uh, American Sniper, what else has he done this year? It's uh, weird. You know what? I, I remember a day when an actor did one movie a year. Yeah. If that. And now it's like they'll have four movies they've been in. It's insane. And you know what What jumped into my head, and, and I, I'm sure this is a strange thing to say, but uh, once upon a time, when the studios used to sign actors to the studio, like in other yeah. words... You wouldn't go and do all these different movies at different studios. You'd be a Warner Brothers staple. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Or you'd be a, a, a Paramount staple. And and just in my head, I don't know why, but you get to a point in the movie where Bradley is just so good in this that you say, who would sign Bradley up? You know what I mean? Like Like all these other actors, sometimes they do good movies, sometimes they do dud movies. I, I, I've not seen a movie that Bradley is in, but I haven't enjoyed Bradley. Yeah, that's fair. I was see Bradley Cooper for me was a bit like he was a bit McConaughey. He's a bit like he was kind of like one of those. Maybe this is not fairly attributed, but I had been thinking of Bradley Cooper 
as Matthew McConaughey had been thought of, you know, prior to... Yeah, like a bit of a pretty boy. Yeah, pretty yeah. boy, like he, he, uh, Hangover, right? The, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, in The Hangover, he is certainly well, like he's, the pretty boy. Right, right. Like, he's great, but yeah. uh, it's like it's a very popcorny film, obviously. Uh, and yeah, he's just the pretty boy kind of character. So I'd never thought of him as, you know, with any serious acting chops. But now with American Hustle and all this, he's just... Is it a coupon of songs? Or, oh. or, or is he not really coming back from anything? Is that just in my brain? Am I thinking... I, yeah, I don't think... He, this is a coop establishment. <laughs> it's, um, it's a coup solidation. Exactly. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Let's coin it. Let's get it out of here. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, yeah, I was trying to remember his name the other day, just referring to something. And I was like, Brad, Brad, it's not, it's not Brad. Cause I can't, I just thought Brad Pitt and someone's like, oh, well, is it, is it this person, this person? But Bradley Cooper, they said, you said not Brad. And I was like, <laughs> wow, it's not Brad. Oh, yeah, it's technically, technically it's I hold true to my original statement. Um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. There's not that many Bradleys out there. Would you recommend people who hadn't seen this movie, American Sniper, who have listened to this podcast <laughs> and thus had the entire thing spoiled for them? Well, yeah. it's, it's a character piece, more or less. I don't think we spoiled a whole lot, to be honest. Because you could, you could listen to all that, know that that's in the movie, and not necessarily have it, it spoiled. Most of the... I mean, yeah, I, we didn't spoil that much. I think yeah. you could still enjoy it. I mean, the action sequences alone are quite great. Yeah. Uh so if you just want, like, a well-directed, gritty, realistic uh, war movie, pretty great. I feel once um, upon a time there was a war movie and you sat down and that's war. Mm. You know what I mean? I walk away, I say, oh, now I know what war is. Whereas now, particularly in the age of, like, The Hurt Locker and, and, and Zero Dark Thirty, it's like a trilogy. You have to watch all three of them to say... Now I'm across war. Mm. Now I know what's going on in the, uh, you know, Afghanistan, Iraqi well, this situation. Well, the thing. Afghanistan, I was going to bring that up. I would be curious if in the next few years we'll see something. Because Zero Dark Thirty is it's technically not really like Afghanistan. Like, well, I'm not saying it is at all, really. Because, you know, obviously they, they find um, Osama in Pakistan. Um, so I think a, a, a kind of a realistic uh, depiction of Afghanistan is maybe next, and I will be curious to see how that's handled. Can Can I tell a real life story? Because if I don't tell it on this podcast, I might not potentially be able to tell it anyway. Okay. Um, this is the the one time that I've been a bit naughty in in reviewing movies has been Zero Dark Thirty. Mm. Um, where um, I missed the start of Zero Dark Thirty. I missed possibly the first 10 or 20 minutes. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm talking at length about Zero Dark Thirty, and I quite enjoyed that movie. So you're doing a review about it. I'm doing a review about it. On the radio. It, on the radio. Uh, and the the subject comes up about the, there have been a lot of reports, a lot of debate about the uh, the, the depiction of, t- of torture in Zero Dark Thirty. Um, and, and how do you feel that that was Anthony? And I said, I have to be honest. I don't, I wasn't, I didn't have a problem with the torture in zero dark 30. I didn't feel that there was that much in there. I didn't feel that, you know, it was problematic in any way. I didn't, you know, it it is, pardon me. It is what it is. Um, I then managed to watch 
uh, Zero Dark Thirty from the beginning. <laughs> oh, no. And it turns out that all the torture is in those minutes that I missed. Yeah. And I feel like anyone who'd seen the movie and heard me say, I've got no problem with the torture that goes on in that movie. Like, that's a, that's a picture of me that they won't be able to get out of their heads yeah. now. Can I say, that just sparked something in my brain. Imagine if they make a film about the guys that developed the CIA torture scheme. That's got to be. What would that movie be? Well, because it's these two, I don't know, whole, it's worth uh, reading up about it, but uh, fairly horrific in that it's two guys with basically no experience in torture, just sue, like, psychologists, psychiatrists. Like, they had medical degrees of some kind, no specific actual experience in torture or, you know, coercive techniques or anything, and sold for a exorbitant amount of money to the U.S., this all came out in the last month or so in the CIA torture reports. Uh, so it's, I think it's a story ripe for telling. Because yeah. it's, it's a terrifying thing where all of this terrifying stuff about how the CIA torture campaign came about, or campaign, uh, uh, you know, program, um, and what actually has taken place and how ineffective it actually has been. Yeah. But it's kind of all so horrific that kind of nobody wants to talk about it. So... Oh. I think a movie needs to be made. Oh, absolutely. It's, David Fincher, get him on the phone. It's funny how much movies have become the... I think more so in the recent time. I don't know. That's the way to give credit to something, to, to, to immortalise to, it. To give it an agenda. Like Colin Firth uh, at the Golden Globes, when he introduced the imitation game, he prefaced it with uh, saying that it was like a way of giving Alan Turing a little bit of credit back, a little bit of dignity back. Like creating this this two hour art piece yeah. is, is is somehow contributing to Alan Turing's memory, and I guess it is, and I think that's interesting. Yeah, well, same that, with Chris Kyle. Yeah, I don't say that to Alan Moore, the great comics uh, that would drive <laughs> him batty. Yeah, my comics don't need a movie. He'd say, presumably in a more English kind of accent. <laughs> He's got a big beard. Yeah, look him up on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, he wrote Watchmen. He did, yeah. He wears a lot of jewellery. Rings. and <laughs> It's very good. He's very good. So, it's got uh, nothing to do with American Sniper. I have to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> just a joke you wanted to tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. just all it was. It's just a goof. Yeah. Um, I'm worried that at the end of this, this podcast, uh, just some white writing on a black background is going to come up just at the end. And in Paul Culliver were were shot uh, were by another podcast. Yeah, that they were trying to help. We were trying to help. <laughs> yeah. We were shot by Casey Affleck. Yeah. We were well, trying to help him podcast. By uh, I don't want to say the poor man's Casey Affleck, but <laughs> a man aspiring to be Casey the young, Affleck, a younger Casey, a Affleck. younger, hungrier. Can I say when I was in the states, I uh, I went to a few different. Um, Late night show tapings. I'm trying to remember which one. I think it was Conan, I think. Had Casey Affleck on. Mm-hmm. He, he is a serious man. He is just... He was just very, very serious. And just in, in life. Because he is one of those types. He was just... He had nothing going on. And then luckily the guest after was Chris... Uh, 
De, I forget the name, but it was like a comedian that like luckily lifted the show because Case Affleck was just like just sitting there, so just dire. just so dark, just like mm. he was a black hole, just energy being sucked into him. Because uh, well, he strikes me as a very intelligent man, and and you got to watch these intelligent types because they can <laughs> be dark. They might, they might, um, they might shoot a uh, a veteran. Well, they might. Yeah, Not I'll, to say Casey Affleck himself is gonna legally distinct from the <laughs> the veteran that yeah yeah. So this has been our, our movie autopsy of American Sniper, directed by Clint Eastwood. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? Um, Coroner's report. I d- for me, this movie is Bradley Cooper. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah, yeah. and it's so interesting that it tries to do several things at once, and for the most part, it succeeds. Like, it, it is spinning a lot of plates. It's a fun... It is actually also a fun movie to watch. Yeah. I mean, it's it sounds it's, weird to say that it's fun I when know, it's that's so the terrible. Thing, but, but it's terrible. But it is. But the action stuff is kind of fun, and they win in the end, so it's like... Yeah. Like, like, you get... It's, it kind of uses the trope of the action movie to kind of suck you right, in. Right, they have the big bad. Yeah. They have a big bad. That that Then you go to the domestic scenes and it feels like you've got like a de facto PTSD mm. that you're like, let's go back to war. It's almost Come like, on. I almost expect the American Sniper game, video game. Yeah. Like, they could create oh, yeah. that. They yep. could. Yeah. Uh, and it'd be like the final level is you got to shoot the butcher from a kilometre away. I'm very glad that that kid... Put down that bazooka, even though. Oh man! Even though by that time, like so many people had died in the movie, that yeah. I was like, Riley Coop's going to take the shot. He's going to be a bit sad, and then we're going to go into the next scene. You know I, what I mean? I was readying myself for that kid to die. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, it's been great, kid, but yeah, you're going yeah. to die now. <laughs> Too bad, kid. <laughs> and it wasn't until the kid puts it down and runs off that I'm like, oh, that's good. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Like I wasn't it wasn't even a relief it was like a that's an unexpected bonus. That's our movie autopsy of American Sniper today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to tweet at us we're at movie autopsy on Twitter. Easy as that. Recommending us to friends is always a good thing. Friends let friends know about good podcasts. We are on iTunes, we are on Stitcher, we are on every podcast app on your smartphone. All 73 of them. If you happen to be dropping by iTunes sometime do leave us a rating or review. We always appreciate that. Our next movie will be Foxcatcher. We'll see you then. Yeah.